welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name's Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. Praise the Lord. Well, let's pray just one more time. Just as we come around the Word, you can stand if you like. You can please feel to stay seated. It's all good, whatever you want to do. But come on, let's just make a bit of room right now just for the Holy Spirit. Wonderful presence of God. We honour you right now. We honour you, we honour you, we honour you. Father, we come into awareness of who you are right now. The miracle working God, all powerful. And so today, Holy Ghost, we ask that you'd come and change us in a way that we've never been changed before. Really come and do a deep work, God. Really come and do something so powerful in our midst. Father, speak to us, change us. In fact, why don't we just pray this prayer this morning? I want you might you can just take over and just begin to pray as well, but I want you to just, just pray with me that the Lord would give you the grace to receive from Him today. Come on, can you just pray that right now? Lord, give us the grace and the capacity to receive from Your Word. Help us, Holy Spirit, to have hearts that are ready. Come on, you pray. Help us to have hearts that are open. Help us, Holy Spirit. We need Your help to remove the clutter. We need Your help to remove the mess. We need Your help to remove, Father, the lies that have been sown in, Father, through culture and through our upbringings and from all sorts of places. So God, we're asking for the capacity. We're asking for a grace to be able to receive from You. I pray, Father, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would be released, Father, and that we would have hearts to be able to receive Your glory. We would have hearts to be able to receive Your presence. And Father, I'm praying right now for for anyone that's here this morning that's just kind of like here because it's what they do as a part of their church and Christian activity. And I'm just praying today, Holy Spirit, that You would truly give us an encounter with You today. I'm praying, Holy Spirit, that You would truly give us a life-altering moment where we would never be the same again. And so, Father, today we're asking that You would use us. We're asking that You would use us for Your glory, and be magnified in this place. In the name of Jesus, Amen, 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 Amen. We'll just look at your neighbour. Tell them they're looking beautiful. So good. Let's go very quickly in our Bibles to Mark. And we're going to be reading again, uh, sorry, not Mark, Luke, the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be reading again chapter number two. We're just going to read one verse. Then we're going to mosey on down to Romans chapter 12. And um, we might read a few other places too, but we will see. 
what happens. Is that good? Mark chapter 2 and verse number 7. There's something on. Mm, mm, mm. It's whatever that frequency is. Mm, That's all I know. Um, Mark chapter 2, let's read. And she brought forth, she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room. This month, as we gather around the birth of Jesus, our Lord, we're really inviting you to ask a question of your own life, not just of your life. It's easy to kind of look at life in like kind of big moments, the things we kind of do, the places we attend, the events we're at, but really what we're wanting you to, and we're inviting, uh, I suppose, in partnership with the Holy Spirit to ask a question, how am I making room for Jesus in my life? That's what, that's what this series is about. That's what this question is about. We're saying, hey, how are you making room? Not religiously speaking, not even, and I want us to go like peel back and go beneath the surface level answers of, well, I'm making room through being at church on a Sunday. Well done, good for you, that's fantastic. But really what I'm inviting you to ask is to go deeper into your own life and say, how do I really make room for the Holy Spirit, for the work of the gospel in my life? Make room. It really is, if I'm honest, even as a pastor of a church, it's a challenging question to answer. Because if we're honest, I believe that we get so busy, I know that I do, we get so busy on tasks and different things and they don't call this season silly season for nothing because it's like you've got this event, you've got that event. How many of you have been to more than one Christmas event so far already? Give me a wave. Give me a wave, don't be shy. You're all like, give me a wave look so people can see. Lots of people, lots of people. And where? what's the date today? Is it like the 10th? What is it? Someone just yelled out a date. It's like, it's the fourth. No, they have no idea. Um, the 10th, thank you, Murray. It's the 10th. And the point is, unless, really the, really the point is, unless we're intentional and deliberate in this season, it just comes and goes as another one. And so last week we really uh, kind of tackled the idea of like making room for the presence of the Holy Spirit in our own life through prayer, through worship, through honouring God, through just placing a value on Him in this season. He is, you know, ready for the preacher cliche. He is the reason for the season. Every now and then on a Christmas card, I like just to write not Merry Christmas, but Merry Jesusmas. Christ and Jesus are the same, but just kind of to shake people out of their thinking, oh, that's right. It's not Xmas, it's actually about a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. 
You're not here, I hope, just because this is a part of your religious expression and tradition alone. They're good things to have. But it is my prayer that this is a part of your personal devotion and commitment out of a revelation towards Jesus. That you're here not because you're like, hey, this is what we do at this time of year or on a Sunday, but you're here because you've got this thing in your heart. Man, all that Jesus did for me, putting aside a Sunday, putting aside moments in my day are just easy when I look at how wonderful He is. And so last week we spoke about, um, this can probably go down just a tiny bit, thank you. Um, Last week we spoke about really making room for God. And so whilst this whole month is about that, um, today I wanna zoom in a little bit more and I wanna talk to you about making room for others, making room for people. This is gonna be a deep teaching if you've got ears to hear what God wants to say to you because there are some truths in this that are so powerful that they'll change your life. I really do believe that. I'm not trying to hype it up at all. I'm just trying to help you to see that there is immense value in understanding these spiritual laws, the spiritual law of honour, the spiritual law of putting others first. And so uh, let's talk a bit about it. While you're uh, moving over to Romans chapter 12, we're gonna read that in a minute. The Bible says that there was no room for them in the inn. Now, this might sound blasphemous to you, because you've seen all the Christmas productions and all those sorts of things. But it's quite possible since about 1611 that the church's tradition shifted from thinking that when it said that there was no room at the inn, that there was this idea that it was like uh, kind of um, like a motel. There was no room at, at Elkanah. Come on, somebody. It was all booked out in Jesus' name. That's a prophecy. Um, there was no room at the inn. There was no room. There was no room at this place that they had nothing connected to. And the word can be translated in that way, but it's possible that it may or should not be translated that way. It's actually the Greek word that Luke uses in this verse is kataluma. Just say that. Say kataluma, not katamala. Oh no. Anyway, let's keep. Anyway, let's keep going. The the other two times this word is used in the Bible, one of the specific times Jesus is personally using it when he asked the disciples to go and prepare a room for him to celebrate communion. He says, I want you to go and prepare a room, a katamula. I want you to go and prepare a room for me so that we can celebrate communion. I want you to go find somewhere and we, we see this, the, that's where they celebrated the Last Supper, translating Cataluma as guest room. It kind of paints, so it was like someone's house, like someone's got a house, they've got a spare room waiting for you and I want you to go and prepare that place for the Last Supper. As opposed to kind of this idea of this kind of foreign uh, motel type of situation. And so instead of coming into a city, and this is actually when we look at kind of Bible times, they would have had family members or people spread out all over the place. And so instead of coming into a city where they didn't know anyone and having to knock on the door of an inn and then that's empty and then that's empty, my mum, 
my mum did a lot of uh, funny ministry things. I think that the, early, the 80s and the 90s were a fun time um, in church life. In fact, on her bookshelf still to this day, she's got a book, an entire book called The Ministry of the Clown. And it's all about clown ministries. They did evangelistical events. She was the bad clown. Um, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, as they say. But anyway, um, and one of the other ones was she was in that they did um, at our little old family church, um, this thing called the Streets of Hearts. And I remember it so vividly. It was like Mary and Joseph, these big wooden painted um, kind of hearts that were houses. Knock, knock, knock. Is there anyone there? No, we're too busy. Go away. The next one. No, there's no, you know, and the story goes on. But the truth is, is Mary and Joseph were coming. They probably were coming to a family member's house. They were probably actually coming to someone's house that they actually knew. Are you seeing this? Paints a really different picture than just rocking up to a stranger's house. Knock, knock, knock. Can we stay here? I think it's a fairly reasonable answer to say no when you don't know them. I think that's pretty reasonable. But the weight of this text this morning and this story totally shifts when we start to think that, hey, this was probably someone that they knew. This was probably someone, they weren't knocking on just any old door. They were knocking on maybe a, a, a relative they were knocking on someone's door that they had some sort of relationship with. Here's a church word for you, that there was some sort of familiarity with. It wasn't just like, hey, can we come in? Well, we don't know you, so stranger danger. It was like, no, sorry, there's actually no room. There's no room in our, our guest house is already filled with other family members and things and we've got plans. And please don't interrupt our plans because our plans are really important and our plans have been in place for a very, very long time. Come on. Our plans are being in, we've had plans. We know what's happening on Christmas Day. We know what's happening on Boxing Day. We know we've got the plans in place. And so this Greek word, kataluma, teaches us that we have to make room for Jesus in our own house, in our own hearts, first and foremost. We've got to make room for Jesus. We've got to make room. And so how does this kind of on-sell into this conversation around us making room for others? Making room for friends, making room for families, for, for family, making room. Can we, like, can we just get really honest here today? Christmas lunch is coming. <laughs> this is funny. Christmas lunch is coming. I can see some people have a look of fear and dread in their eyes as I say that. Some people have a smile on their face. Some people are like, that means... I've, we've got to meet with the in-laws. Come on, somebody. Come on, come on. Don't nudge anyone, okay. Look straight ahead. It's in your own best interest, okay. That means my, my wife's sister and husband, are come, I cannot stand them. Come on, I'm not speaking about myself. But I'm, just spe I'm just speaking, you know. This is metaphoric, okay, I promise you. 
You know what I'm saying? The enemy is coming over for lunch. Come on. Come on, somebody. You're with me today. We have this massive opportunity at Christmas. It's polarizing, but I want to talk to you about something that's super valuable and important for us as followers of Jesus. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. Let's quickly quickly read this. Um, let's quickly read this, and then we'll um, I'll give you give you a few thoughts, and then we can go home. Romans chapter 12, verse number nine. It says, "Love must be sincere." I want you to consider today how you are making room for others in this season. I reckon the greatest enemy of Christianity is self-worship. Because it's the kind of idolatry that is the most easy. Where we honour ourselves and we place more value on our own needs than the needs of others. The church was led by elders and deacons. Do you know what that word deacon simply means? Servant. So leadership in the church, involvement in Christian community is nothing else than saying I'm a servant. And what's a servant? A servant is being able to step back and say I have an agenda, but the king's agenda, the master's agenda is far more important than my own. So I'm gonna serve. And sometimes that master, the master's agenda is found in the need of others. Stay with me. Stay with me. Don't switch off. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Listen to this. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction. This is like a, this isn't the most joyful Christmas message, is it? But it's, it's important. Be joyful in hope. In other words, have joy while you're waiting for vision to come to pass. That's hard to do. When there's a delay, I was believing for this, it hasn't happened. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Have joy. uh, Be patient in affliction. That preaches all by itself. Faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's, make room for God's wrath, for it is written, uh, it's mine to avenge. I'll repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, that sounds like some of your Christmas lunches. That was my point. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So a few quick things. Number one, what what is honour? Honour simply means, biblically speaking, it means to, to value, to value. 
And so maybe a simple definition for working definition for us today is that honour means to demonstrate value and great esteem for someone. So by honouring someone, we are seeing value inside of them. You know who did this the best? Jesus. When everyone else was looking outside and judging that way, Jesus was coming and defending the marginalised in our community. When a woman caught in prostitution, society was very different back, back then. And while the religious people had stones in their hands ready to hurl them at this woman, Jesus got in the way and said, he who has no sin, let him cast the first stone. Why was Jesus doing this? Did he excuse her sin? No, he actually instructed her. He said, go and sin no more. But I praise God for his grace and his mercy towards you and I. Because Jesus has this incredible ability to see beyond our sinfulness and see a value in us. The Bible says it like this, that while we, you and I, me, was, while I was still a sinner, Christ died and gave himself for me. Jesus demonstrated honour in the most ridiculous way by lowering himself, abandoning his post at heaven for a cause, all because of honour. All because he saw the value in broken, sinful humanity, you and I. All not because we deserved it, not because we got things right, but quite simply because he honoured us. He saw the value in us. And so honour means to value, it means to esteem, it means to give worth to. And so when we worship, what are we doing? We're giving honour and value to God. Worship, so in this context, in a Sunday, or whether it's with our finances, or whether it's with our time or our words, or whatever the resource or commodity might be, the truth is, is let's not think about how we're feeling. Worship's never about how we're feeling. It's always about saying, God, we're gonna honour you despite what we're feeling, despite what we're experiencing, because we're not here thinking about ourselves, we're here thinking about how wonderful you are. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And so listen, when we honour, this is why honour is important, because honour, I want you to see this, this is the gold that I want you to see this morning. Honour looks past the mess of life and sees the Christ in people. Do you know how we have a saying, we say this all the time, pretty much every week at our church, that we're a church full of ministers, not members. That, does, that, that is a good statement that doesn't work if honour isn't present. Because you know that there are many times that God wants to use someone in this church community to minister to you. But if you, like Samuel, remember we read that last week? If you're only looking at the outward appearance or if you're only looking at the external, you're gonna miss the miracle that God wants to bring. 
We must learn to honour at a whole new level. We must learn to honour at a whole new level. Did you hear what I'm saying today? Honour is key. Honour is one of the greatest spiritual principles that you can learn in your life, honour. Unfortunately, and I'll be just really transparent with you this morning, I haven't spoken a lot about honour in the context of our church family up until this point in time, simply because I think in a lot of church environments and cultures, the preaching has been right, but the culture has at times been wrong. And so honour has become dysfunctional. It's become one way a lot of the time. And the truth is, is a biblical version of honour. There's still double honour. I'm just gonna say it how the Bible says it. Is that all right? You don't have to do anything about it, but it just, there's still double honour to those that preach the word. That's still a biblical thing. Absolutely. But honour is not a pyramid. It's like a sphere that we are all in. And in fact, to be honest with you, honour is broken if the least of these in our community are not being honoured. Honour doesn't start looking upwards. Honour starts looking to those that are in need. Honour doesn't look at like, well, I've got to honour the man of God and so let me do this and let me do that and let me wash cars and mow lawns. No, where honour needs to start in your heart is not with me. Honour needs to start in your heart with you asking the Holy Spirit, where can, who do I need to honour? Who and how can I see someone in a different way? The way our culture and church and life is set up, I don't really need you to, I don't really need to ask you to honour me. Because the way society is set up, in it to a certain extent, in a natural, worldly way, that honour works. But what I, as a preacher and a man of God, need to invite you to engage in more is to honour the brokenness in our community. It's to look past the dysfunction in someone's life and realise that God's glory, the very image of Jesus is inside of that person. The person that you are sitting next to right now could be, they have potential inside of them to be the very person that this community is praying for to be the breakthrough that you've been praying for. There is so much of goodness and wholesome and power and anointing locked up inside of every single person in this place. This is why self-esteem is such an important thing. Knowing your identity is so important. This is why I believe, can I go ahead and just preach for a moment? I don't believe depression has any place in a believer's life. Because when you are depressed, you are honouring a reality that God has not approved of. And so I'm not saying shame on you if you're depressed. We go through things, man, I get it. I've been there. Life sucks at times. Life is heavy. The burden of life is heavy. Depression comes at times. It is what it is. But friend, please realise, no matter what emotion you're feeling, it does not change the value of who you are on the inside. You have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead living inside of you. And so I'm inviting you right now to honour. Like I think honouring God, who do we honour? So we've said honour is, is placing value. Let's wrap this up really quickly. The, who should we honour? Good question, I'm glad you asked. 
Well, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17 says that we should, write that down, says that we should honour everyone, right? And not, not just when we feel we should honour. Honour is a deliberate choice to put someone first. Exodus 20 says, honour your parents. It doesn't say if your parents were good, honour them. It just says, honour your parents. And all the parents said. Amen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It says, honour your parents. Who else do we honour? Uh-oh, Romans 13, 1 to 7 tells us to honour those in authority. Now, honour and agreement can be two different things. But we are called to honour. Who else we're called to honour? We're called Leviticus 19 verse 32 says, honour the elderly. And all the elderly said, oh, there's none here, so it was silent. <laughs> First Timothy 5.17 says that we're to honour church leaders. And Psalms 22 verses 23 tells us, and this is where honour starts, starts with us honouring God, honouring Him first. So let's really quickly, I'm going to give you five things. We're just going to write those down and then we're going to go home, okay? I promise you. Um, let's talk about, so we've, we've spoken about the, the definition of honour. We've spoken about the focus of honour. I want to talk about the challenge of honour. The challenge of honour. Number one, I want you to write this down. If you're taking notes, please. It'll help you later on. When we honour... I've already preached about this, so we'll just give you the point. But honour is to value someone higher than yourself. To honour is to value someone higher than yourself. If you're a part of our church community, welcome. If you're not, welcome. But let me have just a moment with our church family. We have a wonderful opportunity through so many aspects of church life to be able to honour each other. And often how honour is manifested is through service of each other. And this isn't like a, a volunteer drive. <laughs> and here's a QR code, download the form and you'll get a free steak knives as well if you sign up today. It's not about that. But it's about in this season and especially as we take time to, and we move into next year, I want you to consider how you are honouring those as a part of our church family. How can you serve? Don't lock it into what happens on Sundays. That's, that's a broken theology. We are not that church. You've heard me say it many times before. If we don't have enough kids leaders or baristas or whatever for one week, that just won't happen. It's all good. We're okay with that. People are like, all right, I'm signing up for the coffee. <laughs> but the truth is, is I want you to get out of Sunday land. I want to get into, hey, maybe as a family, it's a conversation on the way home. How, how and who can we really serve? How can we honour someone? How can we bless someone? Pick someone in this church community that you can bless. Find a neighbour. 
Find that elderly person in your street. Go do some gardening for them. Bake them a cake. Come on, somebody, I'll receive that. <laughs> you know, it's, it's easier than you think. The act of the beautiful act, the very deeply spiritual act of generosity. So honouring is to value someone more than yourself. Why? Because that's the way God does it to us. Number two, write this down. Honouring involves humility. Honour is impossible without humility. Humility is, Romans chapter 12 says, honour one another above yourself. You've heard me say this before, but I believe that honour is the superpower that every Christian needs to have in their life. Sorry, humility is the superpower that everyone needs in their life. Gotta act humble. You might be an expert in something. Humble yourself. Learn from everyone. You'll never be able to serve the least of these if you see yourself higher than them. You know what true honour is? True honour is getting so low it's not, about, it's not about believing that uh, in your identity you have no value. It's actually about understanding your identity and the power of it in Jesus. And that you, your job in honouring someone else is to not promote yourself, but to promote someone else higher than you. To love them. Humility is important. It's, it's hard, it's really hard to honour. This is for someone this morning. It's really hard to honour when you're not, when you don't have forgiveness in your heart. Come on, Christmas lunch is just getting so real right now. <laughs> but you've got to be able to forgive. Why, why do I need to forgive? They're not going to change. You've missed the point of forgiveness. You stop looking in the mirror. Because when you ask for forgiveness and you didn't change, Jesus still forgave you. And so we sow generously in the area of forgiveness. Honour involves respect. Romans tells us, be eager to show respect for one another. Respect and honour go hand in hand. You, I can't respect that, that person or whatever. Find something. There is something, I'm telling you, there's, a, there's something you can find that you can honour. Honour involves, here's another one, write this down. Uh-oh. Honour involves enthusiasm. It says, take delight in honouring one another. Don't just do it, enjoy it while you're doing it. Let there be enthusiasm involved in honouring each other. You mean I've got to go to that person's house again? I've got to see him three times? Over Come on. Man, what? I want to say two things. Number one, you're not seeing the God inside of them that you get an opportunity to worship Jesus by honouring them. Number one. And number two, for those that are a little bit more spiritually mature, you are missing an opportunity to be a minister to them. 
It's very quiet in this Presbyterian church today. And the last thing that I want to say is that honour, involve, it involves grace. Grace. People aren't going to be perfect. <laughs> that brother-in-law, he's, he's not, you, you, can, you can act in humility, you can act in honour, you can act in all those sorts of things. He's still going to be as annoying as all heck. Come on, somebody. Just say it. Just be real. But your responsibility in honouring others is not connected to their change. It's connected to your worship. So what are we making room for? Well, the question is, is by honouring others, we're making room for the gospel to do its best work in people's lives. When we're making room, when we're giving grace, when we're choosing to honour, when we're choosing to get humble, one of, the, one of the great principles I learned a long time ago as a young leader was seek to understand before you're sought to be understood. It's not in the Bible, but it's a good principle. You got two ears, one mouth. Listen more than you speak. Humble yourself. Tap into the gold that's inside of someone. You just might be the one that God is, has brought into their world to minister the love of Jesus to that person. David, would you jump up, man? And we're gonna pray and we're gonna finish. You know, one of the things, can I just share a personal story just to make this a little bit real for all of us Victorians? Is that good? One of the things that I got really disheartened with in the body of Christ in Victoria, I didn't like the lockdowns. I didn't agree with the mandates and all those sorts of things that were happening. That was a hard time for us as a city. We're still bouncing back, I believe. But one of the things that I did not like that I saw the church doing publicly was dishonouring our, at that time, love or hate him, our premier. And let me tell you why. Did I agree with him? Not at all. Do I think that our state is, was led into a place that wasn't great? Yes, I do. Is he responsible for some of those things? Yes. However, however, I began to think about the possibility of a man like that one day walking into a church room like this. I mean, I saw memes coming out of notable churches in our city with his face put into a Pharaoh suit. Oh, we're getting real now, folks. And the truth is, I began to think about could that man or someone like him, could they walk into this room and be loved and feel warmth and feel the love of Jesus? Would they is probably a better question. Not that they need to be in this room, 
But we have a huge opportunity, as Romans tells us, to bless our enemies. Don't curse them, bless them. Bless them, bless them, bless them. And I'm just opening that up just as a kind of a a statement piece for us to go, we're gonna choose to honour. We are gonna choose, you say, well, when there's nothing to honour, what do we do? We pray, we pray, we pray, we pray, we pray, we pray. You know, next year, what I'm seeing over this Northern area, I'm seeing like God's asking us to steward the spiritual atmosphere like a dome over, over, over the Northern suburbs. God's asking us to steward this space. Do you know where it starts? It starts with our human interactions with each other. It starts with us just being here right now. How am I gonna choose to love the person that is the hardest to love in my world? How am I gonna choose to bless them? Like Jesus did when He died for me, when He looked down from that cross, all dripping with blood, mutilated flesh, and He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I'm asking that a grace would come upon us as His church to have that same spirit of honour in our world for those that don't know Him. I'm praying for you today that this Christmas that you would mature past the place of just going, this is gonna be hard, that you would mature to the place of saying, God, how can you use me in this situation for your name, to see glory, to see your power move, amen? Come on, let's stand up, we're gonna go home. So good, would you close your eyes, bow your heads, lift your hands if you feel comfortable doing so. But Father, we are asking for your grace. We're asking for your power. We're asking for your wisdom. We're asking for the, the, uh, the energy and also the opportunity to be effective ministers of the Gospel in this season. Lord, I'm asking Father that you would help us. Some of us, I sense the Spirit is just saying, You need to ask the Lord to help you forgive that person or to change your mind. Lord, help us see those people in our world. Help us to see them the way that you see them. Help us, Jesus. Lord, I pray that when they speak about the church, I pray that they would speak about miracles, signs, wonders. I pray that they'd speak about your name. I pray that they'd speak about the glory of God being manifest in all kinds of ways that represent heaven on earth. But Father, also I'm praying that there would be a demonstration of heaven, heaven on earth through the way that we choose to honour, the way that we choose to make room for others. And Lord, just like Mary and Joseph would have just rocked up and said, is there any room? It might've been occupied by another family member. I'm praying today, Holy Spirit, that even in the midst of our familiarity, you would help us to see, you'd help us to see Jesus, help us to see what your Spirit is doing in the least likely places so that we would have hearts, we would have lives that are making room for what you're doing, making room for your glory, making room for your power. In the Name of Jesus, Amen. Amen and Amen. Amen. So good. You know, 
One of the best things about the Word is not when the Word's being preached. It's your response to the Word. In fact, a good sermon is not about how many amens or notes or whatever, how many people are up the front. It's about you applying it and you choosing to live it out. And so I want you to really think this week. I want you to be strategic about this with your families, spouses, friends, whoever. Hey, who can we honour? Who can we value? Who can we make room for? Amen. What does that look like for us this season? Yeah. Hey, be blessed. All the giving stuff's out there. It's somewhere else as well on the screens, maybe at some point in time. Uh, hang around. Next Sunday's going to be absolutely incredible. We've got a special Christmas service. There's a kid's item. That's all. That's going to be mayhem, um, as you know. And so just come for that. Um, so that's going to be good. There's going to be hospitality. There's going to be all sorts of things. So come next Sunday morning. It's going to be absolutely wonderful as we just celebrate Jesus um, and the message of Christmas. Uh, coffee's on. Uh, hang out. We love you so much and uh, we really look forward to seeing you soon. Have a great week. God bless you all. Amen.